This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Kea Majmanda, what an incredible 20-something. Kea is the founder and CEO of Chaos Inc., a product development and marketing agency for entrepreneurial influencers and celebrities. She's well known for her time on ABC Shark Tank, having appeared on the season five finale. Her humanitarian spirit and desire to empower women in business is evident throughout all that she does. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Kea in New York City and learning of her journey and her story to becoming a 20-something-year-old entrepreneur. Take a listen. Kea, welcome to The Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So, you know, you reached out to us when you heard about us through the next-gen community here in the States. And the first thing that struck me about you when I looked into your um, background and actually your LinkedIn was your summary of yourself. So um, in your summary, alongside a detailed description of your career so far, you had this about me section. And this about me section told me really all I needed to know about you. And as you as a person, it was so real and raw and I I loved it. And I was really digging your vibe. And that's why I wanted to interview you today. (laughs) So before we get into your work, I actually want to start um, with a bit of a discussion about my favorite about me, Kaya about me. And you know, obviously it was Beyonce. Um, no, yeah. I'm kidding. It, <laughs> of course. It was actually, it has to be. Exactly. It was actually the one where you said mission-driven. So Kaya is mission-driven. Um, that wasn't always the case. I was unapologetically money-driven after graduating college. But now that I realise how easy, in quotation marks, it has it, it is to make money, if you know what you're doing, I care about the how and the why I make it. Wow. Talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, so um, I got into this entrepreneurial, or I guess the entrepreneur bug hit me, or bit me when um, I started my first business. I just invented this consumer product, and with today, in today's day and age, with technology and easy access to, you know, building online e-commerce stores or literally being able to go and walk up to retailers, retail stores, and push the product on them, I just realized how easy it is to go sell stuff. You know, really, it's the hustle. You know, if you if you try really hard. You knock on a million doors, doors are going to open, you know, and money started coming in. And I almost started feeling somewhat bad because I was selling all this product, but I didn't actually know why. And that came from 
part of it was the game, right? It was such a fun little puzzle that I was solving, I feel, for myself that, you know, I'd get this many no's and then I'd get a yes and it was adrenaline rush that would help me go and go seek out that next yes. Um, but then you kind of get the hang of it. So understanding the sales process for whatever product you are selling. And I never really thought, stepped back to think about um, what kind of impact you know my product has. It's literally just about getting my product into as many people's hands as possible and no particular reason why, if that makes sense, you know, which makes, you know, in, in a sense, when you're first starting your business, money and sales should be your number one goal, because if you don't make money, you can't do anything. But I think millennials in particular are really driven about, really driven by um, how they want to impact the world in addition to selling product. So that's kind of where that came from. You know, I've been doing it for two years since graduating college, and then I kind of hit a wall. I'm like, why am I doing all this, you know? So that's where that yeah, came from. Yeah, wow. So why, why, why were you doing all of this? Why are you doing it? So I found uh, there are a couple of reasons. One of it is, one thing is I really like the independence, um, being able to not just literally the idea of independence that I'm working for myself, but also just seeing that every single step I take and every single sale I close and every kind of milestone that I hit um, has everything to do with the effort that I put into it, right? Um, having a regular job, the onus really isn't on you to perform or drive X number of sales because at the end of the day, you go home and the company is still going to survive. And as an entrepreneur, you will not see another day if you don't bring X number of sales in, you know? So that was one really big piece of it. And then another piece of it is that I just, um, as a woman, right, I have as a woman in business, as an entrepreneur, I remember from the very beginning when I would go to pitch competitions or when I would go pitch investors maybe or do anything involving my business, I was almost always the only woman there and most definitely the only minority woman there. And so I really wanted to change that picture and I not only um, and do, am doing that myself, but also trying to support other women trying to get into business as well. Wow. That's, well, that's amazing to hear. So Let's talk a bit about Kaya, the early years. So, what you know, where did you – I saw that you attended and mistake me um, – correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Amori University, what was this like for you and where was this based? Where is this? So, Emory University is in Atlanta. It is a phenomenal university. So, basically, when I was looking at schools to attend, my parents are doctors. Actually, my whole family, pretty much, they're all wow. they're all doctors. <laughs> yeah. And so, I was debating between going to, um, I think I had narrowed it down between University of Chicago, Georgetown, and Emory. And um, it really then came down to University of Chicago and Emory. And, you know, uh, University of Chicago's rigorous curriculum um, pretty much in my opinion, would have boxed me into the whole pre-med path, and especially because I'm from Chicago. So had I stayed in Chicago, I felt like you know my, my parents would have had a little bit more uh, ownership or control over what I was doing. And I went and visited Emory after I got in to see the campus and, uh, campus and kind of the vibe, and I just fell in love with not just the Southern hospitality down there, it's in Atlanta, down South, mm. um, but then also just the liberal arts feel of it. Um, it also... It's a top 20 university, so it's the, uh, my peers were extremely, you know, challenging, um, and they were really smart 
people. Um, I made some amazing friends there. But at the same time, it wasn't that kind of doggy dog um, climate. You know, we were all kind of helping each other grow instead of competing against each other. And then also, lastly, the resources from the professors were just phenomenal. I mean, I was having, I, I barely even thought of my professors as professors because we had such a great working relationship. We could go get coffee or go get lunch, um, which was really amazing. Yeah, wow. What was it like moving somewhere new to, you know, starting afresh after high school and moving away from your parents who, you know, obviously didn't take the same path that you're taking? What was that like for you? Moving uh, to, you know, Atlanta from Chicago was actually pretty invigorating. I had never really spent too much time outside of my hometown. And I think that's actually really, really important for personal growth. Um, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, you're going to be diving in head for head first to totally new environments all the time and figuring out how to swim is such a critical, um, component to it. And so that moving and figuring it all out for myself was phenomenal in my growth. Yeah. Wow. What was, give us an example of something that you realized, something that you realized about yourself after that experience. So something that changed. After going to Emory. Yeah, after going to college, correct. It's probably, you know, so after going to college, I always knew I was kind of this independent person and could thrive on my own. I mean, I was always doing different things, even as a high school student, um, forging my own path. But that really came out in college. And the reason is because when I was a freshman or when I was a sophomore in college, I started my first business, my first product, and I applied to be on Shark Tank. And then I went through this entire process, totally not knowing what I was doing. And I actually didn't even know you called that entrepreneurship at all. So literally, totally, totally fresh to this concept. But I figured figured it all out step by step. And that really um, stemmed from me being able to go off on my own path um, entirely, you know, separate from what my peers were doing, what my parents wanted me to do. I was just learning from Google and from meeting people. So that's probably the biggest thing I learned that, you know, I can really, I can really go out on my own and make something of nothing and with no prior experience. Yeah. Wow. I want to talk, there's two things I want to talk about from that. The first one is, um, the relationship you have with your parents. So what was that like? I can't even imagine your whole family is in medicine. It's obviously predetermined. How did you gain the courage to go against them? I mean, you know, such a young age, you you said you were doing things that were not normal for them. So what was that like? First of all, my parents are my number one supporters. My parents and my sister. My sister's probably my number one fan. Um, But understanding that from the very beginning was really important to me because It's not that my parents were super, super against me becoming an entrepreneur. It's just that they knew the realities of the world, that it's really, really cruel. And they beat that into me even today, that, you know, this is a really, really tough life. You have kind of struck it lucky, which is very true. I mean, like having the platform of Shark Tank and all these TV shows has definitely helped and was extremely lucky for me, you know. Um, But one thing was... The first thing was just understanding that what my parents was, were telling me was truly from a um, supportive, um, supportive perspective, and not trying to, you know, like just change me or beat me down or whatever. Um, and the second thing is that 
I was driving results. So a lot of times, I was a resident advisor in college, um, and so I lived with freshmen pretty much all, my all four years, yeah, and uh, I was advising them. And one of the biggest things that they kept telling was that my parents want me to do X and I want to do Y. And the, the key there is to understand that if you are not producing results <laughs> when you are doing X and your parents are telling you to do Y, you might consider going and doing Y and listening to your parents, right? But the thing that I was um, really, really conscious of from day one was what I was producing every single time. And I would, I am 100% positive that had I not driven results as quickly as I did, I would be a doctor right now. You know, I'm not delusional. De oh, sorry, I'm not delusional. <laughs> you know, I, I know um, I know what it would have been. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, super cool that you did drive results. And I also think it's, it's a little bit more than luck for you. You seem very driven and it's it's evident through the work that you've done. So it's, I just want to, that's amazing Thank that you've you. done that. Um, a second question would be around Shark Tank. Now, this was super cool when I read this. So I just wanted you to give it, um, our peers listening a bit of a background into how you even got on Shark Tank, what your idea was and what that experience was like. So going into Shark Tank was a very unique experience for me because I didn't actually have a product. I had a prototype. And by prototype, I mean I went to Home Depot and I was cutting up boxes. And it was like, it was totally upside down. And I feel like my entire trajectory, quite frankly, has been upside down and totally backwards from what everybody else does, literally. So um, I had just this idea. Um, I had a really vibrant personality. I was entertaining. I knew that Shark Tank was about um, the entertainment because what I had done prior to applying to Shark Tank was I, I got a notebook out and I watched every single episode and I took notes on what um, what successful pitches, what the components were of the successful pitches. And the number one thing was actually the entrepreneur and their ferocity and their passion, you know, and, and their drive. And the product was almost secondary. And now I really understand why, because your product most likely will actually deviate quite significantly from what you initially intended to be. Um, and so that's why the entrepreneur is so important because are you going to pivot and drive that change or are you not, are you going to not, are you going to get stuck in your ways? Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, it's a TV show, you know, it, it is not real life and they want to be entertained. It's for America's entertainment. And if you're not entertained, then you are not going to get renewed for another season. So I took those two ideas. I was this crazy dumb kid and I just, you know, showed up and I got I ended up getting a deal with this idea and this prototype because of me and my my um, drive and my passion. But then, you know, that's not to say that you really really got to follow that up with serious execution and hard work to really milk it and get everything you you can get out of being on Shark Tank. Mm. So how did you milk it? How did I milk it? Uh, you know, to be completely honest, I probably didn't milk it as effectively as I could have just because I was totally new. I think that it, what's interesting is that I got this like second opportunity to be on a Shark Tank very similar to that. I was on this like Project Runway TV show and I feel I was able to milk that a lot better just having the experience under my belt. But I will say that um, in terms of Shark Tank, I was really, really able to leverage the the credibility and the brand name to get into retail stores, to get my foot in the doors for, you know, whether it was... Um, 
manufacturers that I was trying to negotiate deals with, you know, I'd say, hey, listen, I'm going to be on this show. It's syndicated this many times. You know, this is how much traffic that I, uh, of a, a, tra- a traffic lift that I get. Listen, I, if you can cut me a deal now, I know I'll bring you more volume down the line. Or, you know, um, getting into retail stores, same thing. You know, I'll put as seen on Shark Tank on my packaging, which obviously catches consumers' eyes. Um, and then also taking huge advantage of the publicity and the media that I was able to get from it. A lot of times driving PR is super expensive. You know, you have to f- hire PR form- firms. But I was able to essentially get all of it for free. I don't think I paid for... Yeah, no, I, I didn't pay really for any marketing aside from like Facebook advertising because of my Shark Tank experience. Yeah, wow. I think that, I mean, we can call that leverage. You know, mm-hmm. you really made the most of that. And I think you always think that you could do more and make more of it. But I think what you did do was, was yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so talk to me a bit about the early challenges you had with your business, wrestling with that idea. Because obviously now I see it's completely different to the initial idea you had on Shark Tank. So how did this that idea from Shark Tank lead you through to the one you've got now for your business? Right. So Shark Tank set the stage for what I do today. Um, What I realized, again, like I mentioned earlier, that it was less about the product and more about the process and the marketing strategy and the platform. So what I realized was that if you brought your product on Shark Tank, you know, you'd turn it from a zero to hero pretty much overnight, not because of the product itself, but because of the like I said, the platform. And so I was thinking about how can I replicate this kind of platform with any product that I come up with? Because if I were, if I could do that, then I would, you know, have a gold mine in every single product I created. And so what I did was for the following two years, I tried to figure out how I could replicate what I call the Shark Tank effect, which was, you know, that night that it aired, I got this explosive, uh, these explosive sales and media attention and et cetera. So um, I ended up going and um, funneling my products through influencers and celebrities in a way that we could leverage social capital um, and fan bases, you know, online internet, online fan bases to harness um, sales for a particular product. So for example, you know, I went to um, Vic Mensa, he's this rapper and you know, I sold them, I told them, hey, why don't we do this collaboration for this product? And then, you know, I would say, post it here, here and here this many times. And then, you know, I could predict how many sales I'd get from it and how to move forward and hit the next influencer or the next celebrity. Um, so basically I turned that into a product development firm that just kind of, I would take a product and put it through a, a similar sales, fi- sales cycle or sales funnel to drive explosive sales um, like I had experienced on Shark Tank. Now, granted, I didn't, I, I never matched it, but I got pretty close and I was able to short circuit the cycle um, that an entrepreneur would u- usually need, you know, the amount of time that an entrepreneur would usually need to drive that many sales. Yeah, wow. Wow. That's, it's such a cool idea because you went through it. And I think that when you live what you want, you know, that's, that's everything. So what I'm curious to know though, is how did you get the confidence and drive and just certainty that this is what you were going to do and you were going to go out and get it? Like, how did you get that? Where did that come from? I actually think the confidence comes from me being naive 
you know, like if you don't know how hard it is, or if you, if you're, if you're a kid and you don't know that strangers are scary, then you won't, you know, you'll walk up to a stranger with no problem. What happens is that your parents and other people teach you not to interact with certain kinds of people or to be scared of doing something or, you know, they make you aware of the risks, right? But if you're not aware of them, you're just going to go and do it. So I, you know, a lot of that stemmed from me simply not knowing and simply just getting really excited like a little kid in a candy store every time I was able to go close a deal with a client or make another product. Um, and I was quote unquote lucky that, um, I never really experienced like a serious hardship along the way yet, um, or serious failure. Actually, one of my mentors recently told me, she's like, Kaya, you need to learn how to fail. You know, and I was like, wow, that's an interesting statement because I guess she's kind of right. You know, I've failed in the sense where, you know, I've lost money on inventory that I didn't account for or, or whatever it is, but no serious obstructions along the way. Um, but yeah, so, so that drive comes from just being naive. And I think um, recently I started doing this apprenticeship with one of my mentors um, in her company. And <laughs> now I realize, you know, the, the operations and structures of like a full-blown business. And I'm almost getting whiplash, like, whoa, this is actually a lot harder than I thought it was, you know? <laughs> so what are you learning from that experience with your mentor in that? So I've never worked in a structured organization. I've never actually had a job. And now I, I kind of exited my my last business and right now I'm doing this apprenticeship, call it, you know, managing some projects at her company. Um, her company is this, is called Gwinnie B. It's a plus size subscription clothing rental service in New York. And it's just that massive scale. Like she has, I think 500 employees and it's just over four offices. And this is the first time I've been exposed to such a large organization and this concept of scaling a product beyond, you know, what I've been doing. Cause what I've been doing is peanuts compared to what she does. Um, and I would have, what I'm taking away from it and what I'm learning is really the the ops piece, the operations, um, and the structure and the planning process that goes into how do you take a uh, how do you take it from that initial launch to actually scaling it as a sustainable business. Yeah. Wow. What's her background? Is she? Is she you know, 40s, oh, 50s? Or she's, she, uh, she's probably the most phenomenal uh, entrepreneur that I've ever met. Um, wow. Her, yeah, her name is Christine Hunziker. She actually, I think she started her first company when she was, I think, 25, 26. Uh, she was one of the co-founders of this company called Right Media. And they ended up selling that company to Yahoo for close to a billion dollars. Then she went and joined a second company and sold that to Facebook for some crazy amount of money. And now Gwinnie B is her third company. And she has, yeah, it's insane. She has shipped, like, I read somewhere that they shipped 3 million boxes in the first two years of business. And I, and like, I literally, I just really cannot understand Every single I go to the every single day I go to the office and I'm just totally floored, especially because you don't see women in that position ever. You know, um, yeah, she. I don't know. Like every time I interact with her, I'm just like, how are you a human? You know, I almost want to like pull her skin back and see that she's actually a robot. But it's it's a phenomenal place to be uh, learning from. What 
traits or I guess um, qualities do you see in her time and time again, um, her mentoring you and also just in her business doing her everyday thing? The number one quality I probably see in her, or actually there's there's two I'd say. There, one of them is phenomenal leadership. So leadership means empowering others to work effectively. So when you know that you're this really smart entrepreneur and you're capable of executing a business, that's one thing. But you as an individual are not scalable. What's scalable is you being a leader and being able to impart your skills on others so that it's like you have a hundred of you working, you know, in this company. Um, and she's just a phenomenal leader. And I, I think, um, when I see, you know, when we mess up on something or when strategy comes into play and the way she's able to um, advise us so that, she, you know, she doesn't just go and say, here, this is what you do. It's more of like a let's figure out, you know, together how we would go about doing it. when really she knows the answer, but she helps us get there ourselves so we can solve the problem next time. The other thing is it's not just about putting a hundred of hers out in this company. It's, it's actually more about finding, filling her gaps. So something that I missed when I was in my company was that I kept trying to find people who are similar to me thinking that, you know, if we had five of me, we could execute this business. But in reality, you want one of you and then four other people who are going to fill four of your holes, right? So I've noticed at this company that she's placed phenomenal talent around her that pick up where she isn't an expert um, and empower them as leaders in their organization to really drive the core business um, with her being the brand evangelist and kind of um, strategist above it. Um, And so, so yeah, it's those two things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, great. So much I'm learning from this and and from your experiences. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So, I guess my next question would be, you know, when you're seeing how, when you're working with someone, that was it, when, for me, I think it's interesting how people go into jobs or new roles and not even knowing who their boss or that person who's going to be teaching them is. I think what I find so cool about your story and your current situation is that you're it's, it could be any organization that you're really working for, but it's the person, it's the boss Absolutely. that is teaching you what you need to know. And so what would be your advice to, you know, our peers out there listening? Uh, if they're not too sure, you know, they've got two offers on the table and they're not too sure um, which one to take, what would be your advice to them? You hit it right on the head. It's the people. So actually, you know, a business is a business. I mean, one business can be the the operations of the framework can be lifted and put into another one, which is why people can move between working from like let's say a data company to a some other type of company and other. Um, it, it's really really about the culture and the leadership and the investment that the company has in you, in grooming you, not just as a worker bee, but as a queen bee. You know, as eventually being able to lead an organization. And I just got. Again, I feel so lucky to have met her. Um, I actually met her on this TV, another TV show, the other TV show, Project Runway. And she and her team have invested so much time in grooming me. Um, 
and really taking into a consideration where I want to be in the future. And so the piece of advice that I could give to other entrepreneurs is seek out really, really strong mentor- mentors or other people trying to find jobs, right? Seek out, again, really, really strong mentors within the organization. And uh, when you're interviewing, understand really what, not only what they're going to get out of you, but what you're going to get out of them. Um, Because it's always a synergy. And I think millennials especially want to know that they are going to get equally as much because millennials have this insane work ethic. It's just no doubt, um, no no doubt the case. So we really just need to make sure that um, the investment is there uh, in us as well. Very true. Such good advice. So talk to me a bit about the Project Runway stint that you had. Um, Very interested to know. Very curious. Sure. So one of the products that I created was this um, tank top that turns into a bag uh, with a zipper at the bottom. And it's, yeah, it's really funny. It's very like a creative. basketball jersey. Yeah, very creative. Um, and I got this phone call from like from a producer, and I thought it was a scam, to be honest. Um, or not a producer, but a, a, a casting, someone who casts, a casting director or whatever. And they were saying that they were casting for this fashion show and fashion version of Shark Tank, and they came across my product and they were they would they wanted me to be on the show. So I, I came to know more and more about it and it was really awesome. Um, they had four judges just like Shark Tank. Shark Tank has five, but, um, you know, I went and went to pitch this zip tank is what I called it. This, um, tank top that turns into a bag. And it was so funny because two, there were two investors interested in kind of bidding for working with me, but it was two totally op- opposite offers. You know, the first officer, uh, the first offer I had was specifically to go and scale this product um, and, and manufacture it and get into distribution, retail distribution. And then the second offer came in with Christine that was, listen, I hate your product, <laughs> but I really like you. And so I want to invest in you as an entrepreneur. And I was like, okay, this is interesting, you know, and, and knowing like what I said before that I didn't really particularly, particularly care about the products that I was selling. It was more about the process. I was like, look, this is kind of a no brainer. So I went with Christine and, um, it's just, it's been a really, really interesting and phenomenal experience so far. Mm. It definitely sounds like it and so intrigued to see what you do next and what you get out of this experience. So let I want to go a bit deeper into the, I just loved them, the about me section of mm-hmm. you. So I think it really paints a picture of what, how you're being able to do what you're doing. So I'll, I'll just pick a few. So the first one was, I like to break things. I buy products with the intention of breaking it slash tinkering with it. Mm-hmm. So give me an example of a product which you've literally done this. And also I'm curious to know, um, were you always like this? Did you always love to do that? Let's see. I think from a young age, I was always breaking things and putting them back together. Um, anything from like my alarm clock to a phone, you know, to just about anything. But, um, yeah, I just I kind of always wanted to see how things worked, and the best way to think, see how things work is to take them apart and put them back together again, right? Um, and so, most recently, I bought 
this fidget cube. Have you heard of those things? No. They're those little cubes where it has a ton of buttons on them on every, on every side. And it's kind of like for people who move around a lot and fidget. So you kind of just push these buttons. So I bought two of them, one to actually use and then one to destroy. And I just wanted to see (laughs) the insides of it, you know, and it was just so satisfying. It's like one of those YouTube videos where they kind of cut into things and you're like, Oh, what's inside? Like the basketball, baseball, all that. So, um, (laughs) so that's like a really weird side. (laughs) It's a really weird side thing that I do. Um, I also just like buy random products to test them out. So recently I bought um, daily harvest, these smoothies, those like smoothie delivery things. I really like smoothies. <laughs> and I always, I had this, this idea for a business way back as a kid that I was going to sell smoothies in a bag. Like, Oh, it was just really dumb, but love it. Anyway, love I, it. you know, so just like always, uh, just on the prowl for, weird and different startups and just kind of buying things and breaking them. I also am in addition to breaking things, I am very reckless with myself. So I don't know. I have this like really massive scar. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So, I, yeah like it's breaking things and bre- breaking, breaking myself. You. Breaking uh. Yeah. And my parents got so mad at me. I was skiing and I just shattered my arm. And the other day, like about a month ago, I was playing soccer and I tore my calf muscle. So it's oh. there's a lot of breakage going around <laughs> yeah and i i, I walk Lots a very fine line yeah. yeah but um but yeah that's yeah. just my nature wow i love that wow i'm starting to make a lot more sense yeah totally uh, so next one i loved was i am curious i ask a million questions and constantly google everything hence my nickname google mm-hmm. um google google yep <laughs> wow um what have been the outcomes of your being being so curious of your curiosity of being so curious and what rewards have you reaped from this so actually it's different what from what you might anticipate i think my curiosity sparked a lot of relationships that wouldn't have happened otherwise so for example, the person who nicknamed me Google, um, he used this basketball player. He plays for Milwaukee now, I think, the Bucks. But, you know, I just kind of went up to him and I started asking him questions like, hey, are you a basketball player? Oh, really? What team do you play for? You know, like, or, oh, like, how do you even know on the court who to pass the ball to? How do you know when the ref is calling you in for a sub? Because, like, I don't hear it for sure. And I was like, then I was like asking, you know, do you guys talk on the court? Do you guys have plays? Like, all these crazy things. Because I was literally just curious about this sport, right? And it, built this really engaging and funny com- uh, uh, relationship and we we started hanging out every day in the summer and I was like I met people who I never would have crossed paths with had I not been curious about you know who he was I think w- a, a really bad habit that a lot of people have is that they talk too much and they don't actually listen and 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 want to hear from others right so and I kind of take the opposite approach where I just want to hear everything and everything anything and everything about something or someone Um, So building relationships and then also just uh, in forging my path as an entrepreneur, not knowing anything and coming from an environment where everyone around me was strictly a doctor or, you know, an engineer, lawyer. um, My curiosities definitely served me really well in in um, in understanding what I needed to do to get my products out. Yes, well, very so interesting. I um, I can definitely relate to mm-hmm. the whole um, you know, 
to asking people um, and and listening instead of always talking. Yes. Um, hence the podcast. So there you go. Totally. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Another one is Hustler. I do absolutely anything it takes to close a deal. Um, I wrote, you know, why do you believe doing absolutely everything it takes is the way to go about doing things? And what advice would you give to our peers listening um, who perhaps, you know, are doing some things to help close a deal but aren't doing everything? What would you be of? Yeah, so I'm going to say this with one caveat that it's actually really important to be effective too. So I will say that I have this nature where I'll go and do a million things because I have the energy to do it. But in reality, that's actually, you know, in reality, what you should be doing is putting a plan together and narrowing those million things to the 10 most effective things and only doing those 10, right? If that makes sense. Um, so that's kind of what I'm learning now is that. These, this idea that you'll hustle and go get it done by any way, shape, or form is phenomenal, especially in the beginning of a business. But when you're looking at scale, you really want to make sure that every single thing you do has your stack ranking. I, I learned this idea of stack ranking your priorities. So, you know, you actually rank it by effectiveness or like, let's say your number one goal is to drive sales. I mean, if you have a hundred ways to do it, you're, you should really only be picking the top 10 that are going to drive the most sales, not, you know, the last one that's the, the funnest, but is not going to drive the most number, the most amount of sales. Um, so I'll say that with that, that one caveat, but I still do believe in the, the hustle mentality just because especially for, I think this audience will probably be more so people who want to get into business, right? In order to do that, there are just so many doors that are going to get shut down, shut on you. And it's that hustler mentality that it really doesn't matter because you're going to go on to the next one. I, last night I had dinner with someone who was just about to start a skincare business and she had this meeting right before we had our dinner, um, and said, wow, that meeting was a bust. And I was like, listen, that and 99% of the meetings that you have moving forward, but it's all about that 1%, right? So, um, so that's, you know, that's the hustler mentality that I, that I speak of, um, especially when starting the business. Give me an example of how you've applied it to your own, that hustler mentality to your own business. So for my first product, when I was trying to get into retail stores, I literally did the old school door to door. I would, I put a map out of every Ace hardware around me in my vicinity and I got in my car and I drove to, uh, you know, I, I would put a map out to maximize like the number of stores I could hit. Um, and I would go every single day to these stores and say, and sell my product. Um, and I would do it in unique ways where, okay, like me going and doing it wasn't enough. So I, I would get the product in the stores, but then you actually have to get it selling in the stores too, right? So I would go and tell my friends and I would pay them to go buy my product because if they were buying my product and there was they were actually selling through the stores, the stores would sell more of them. And then I would go and say, hey, the product is selling here. Why don't you re refer me over to this other manager's store, right? Or this other store and this other store. So effectively, I was getting the managers of these stores to sell them to the managers of other stores. And um, I was able to hustle out my product in, you know, the, in the region that I was um, in, the southeast region, because I was in Atlanta. Um, 
But it really, really did take me initially going like physically door to door to door. And I think we lost this concept of door to door sales because we have so many tools on the internet to do it. And sending emails, you know, is so much easier, but it's not nearly as effective, especially in the beginning. Um, it's so true that having meetings in person are way more favorable than emails. You know, it's a lot easier to say no in an email or a phone call. So um, <laughs> that door-to-door was, that hustle was real. Mm, for sure. When you realized that um, these business owners or these um, stores were referring you to their friends and other people had stores, did you kind of think, my process is working, how can I continue to make it work? And if you did, what other steps did you take to continue to make it work? Mm-hmm. So I did it with one retailer and ended up getting into... So what happens is actually most of these stores have... Um, uh, they have their individual store level and then they have their regional and then they have like their national distribution. So once you get up to like the regional and national, you'll have buyers buying for multiple stores and it kind of just trickles down. So there is... I mean, I took different approaches for different stores. So, like, so, so in the beginning, I was going literally door to door just to get them in these stores. Then I would try to contact the regional buyers of other stores, uh, store chains, or the national buyers of others. Um, but it was really, honestly, not me finding one way and sticking to it. It was more testing a million different, not a million, but like testing a bunch of different strategies. Um, and then the other thing, honestly, if I were to give advice to other entrepreneurs, is that. I would focus on e-commerce first because people don't go to stores anymore and it's actually very expensive. So what I found was that I was getting in these stores, but then it ended up being a lot more expensive and not as worthwhile as it was to just sell them straight online because I would have to go get the barcodes and I would have to hire people to replenish them. And then, you know, the, the displays would get messed up. So I'd have to go hire somebody to fix them. And it was just like kind of a pain. So I would honestly just skip that whole thing and go straight online. Mm. Very, very, yeah, very cool. Interesting advice. Okay, great. So I think, I mean, so far this discussion has been super insightful and very, you know, very kind of eye-opening, I guess you could say. Um, So I just want to take a moment to appreciate you and the work that you've done and the journey that you're on. because I can see that you have made an incredible impact on the world already and that you will continue to make that. So I think my second last question to you would be, how does it feel like to be a young entrepreneur and, you know, and a business owner who's on their own time, you know, who is their own boss? And currently I know you're, you're learning from someone else, but what does that feel like for you? I'd say it's empowering, but it's also nerve wracking. Totally. I mean, on one hand, I'm only 24, but on the other hand, I'm 24. <laughs> and it's like, uh, part of me is thinking that I still have a lot of time. And the other part of me is like, ooh, you know, it, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I probably should. Um, so I think it's really, really important to stay super, super humble and very honest with yourself. I was, so when I was thinking about either going in, starting my next thing, continuing my business or working for my mentor, it was a huge, huge decision on my part to finally like, you know, surrender and my 
I was so adamant that I was never going to get a job, right? And then I really, really was like, I need to surrender here because I know that I've taught myself as much as I possibly could. And quite frankly, I am, I think, about a month and a half to two months in, and I have learned so much more than I could have ever taught myself. And it's it's a hard realization that, like, you know, I... <laughs> I didn't know as much as I thought I did. But uh, as a young entrepreneur, I think that's something super, super important to take into consideration when forging whatever path that is that you want to forge is that can you learn elsewhere? And if you can, please go do that. Yeah, wow. Great advice. Great advice. So um, this has been so insightful and thought-provoking and as I thought it would be. So I, I want to finish up with our last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project. And that is, what is the value of doing what you're most passionate about? The value of doing what you're most passionate about is that you don't really realize that it's work. I think this there's this negative connotation like if Gary Vaynerchuk actually did a very interesting interview um or I guess one of his motivational talks saying that if you are excited about Fridays there's something wrong. You know, if if yes. you are really really dying to get into the weekend then something about your work life is off because it it should actually be the worst day of your life not the best day of your life. And that's genuinely how I felt since I graduated college that I did not want Friday to come around because I didn't, you know, most people, you know, I can't just force other people to work through the weekend and I don't want to. Right. Um, but I am so excited and, and part of me is it's part, partly a bad thing because actually my mentors have told me that like, I need to be in bed by midnight no later because they know I'll work until like three o'clock in the morning then be in the office at 8 a.m um so it's something about pacing yourself as well when you're passionate but at the same time when you're just so consumed and so in love with what you're doing you know it's a it's a great thing and it's not something that a lot of people find but if you do find that I'd say you know follow it follow it really really closely um because it's just such a phenomenal feeling and it just keeps you going, right? Like something needs to keep, keep you going and it can't be money. It's really got to be your passion. I love that. Wow. Awesome. So and this has been amazing. Thank you so Thank much you. for taking the time to hang with us. Um, where can people learn more about you and your work? So one uh, one place is chaosinc.com, K-A-E-Y-O-S-I-N-C. That's where I have, it's kind of like a, a little lab I have going of all my projects right now. Um, I also have blogs and my Instagram and Facebook, uh, that's Kaya Inc, K-A-E-Y-A-I-N-C. And then I'm also actually for other entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial people around, you know, listening, I created a, an online curriculum and framework that people can use to take their idea from zero to hero, essentially. Um, what I did was a lot of people ask me all the time, like, how do I do this and how do I do that? So I actually put a module together um, and I'll send you the information so you can publish it with that as well. But um, yeah, it's free and you can, it's a great tool to synthesize your ideas and put them into action. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Awesome. Um, thanks so much for that. And for everybody listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. 
we hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.